Hi, welcome to the Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters. Well, I've spent the past 10 years teaching middle and high school English. I founded and managed my own web hosting company for almost 10 years before that. So I've been able to see how my business management skills transitioned into the classroom, which means I can clearly see how they transition out of the classroom and into running my educational publishing company, Rethink ELA, creating my business coaching and courses at Rethink Your Lifestyle, and starting my doctorate. I'm tying my three loves together, reading, writing, and teaching to create my own career path. I'm not 100% certain exactly where it's going to go, but I know that I'm doing the groundwork now for whatever is coming. With that in mind, I'm excited to tell you about my guest, Zia Hassan. He's a life coach who taught third to fifth grade in the Washington, D.C. area for four years and taught in higher ed for two years. He's going to share with us his insight into our pain points, core values, and how to tame our saboteurs. Learn how you can create your own entrepreneurial journey after these messages. Are you ready to take control of your life? Then you've come to the right place. The Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast is here to help entrepreneurs like you start, grow, and scale the online business you love. Join host Michelle Waters as she shares her journey from the classroom to the freedom of being her own boss. She'll interview inspiring entrepreneurs and share tips and insights along the way. All right, without any further ado, let's get this show started. Hackers broke into my Facebook account and got both it and my main Instagram accounts disabled. But this has not impacted my business income at all. How? If you're running your business entirely on Facebook, Instagram, Etsy, Amazon, or any other third-party site, your business is vulnerable. Head over to RethinkYourLifestyle.com slash ProtectYourBusiness to learn how to keep your business up and running even when your social media is down. That's RethinkYourLifestyle.com slash ProtectYourBusiness. Welcome back to the Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters, and today I have Zia Hassan with me, who's going to talk to us about transitioning out of the classroom. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Kind of to get us started, could you tell us about who you are and your connection with teaching and transitioning out of teaching? Sure. I come from a variety of places, but there is a thread that hopefully will become apparent as I go through my history. I started my career as an IT consultant. So I actually worked for the government. I actually worked for IBM and then our client was the government. And I realized very quickly that that particular role was not for me. It was, right. most of it was very boring and dry to say the least. And I found myself all day long dreaming about doing something else, which is not a good feeling to have. But there was this nagging and sort of this tugging at my soul. And for six years, I kind of ignored it. Yeah. And at some point, I ended up realizing that the most important part of that job for me was teaching others how to use the software that we were using that I was helping people with. Yep. Yep. And so that led to me thinking, well, it'd be really cool if I could become a teacher because that seems to be the thing that I really want to do. And so I left IBM and became a teacher and I taught grades three through five here in DC. Um, and then soon after that, um, realized that I was really passionate about teaching, but that there were so many highs and, and so many lows and that the, the, the fluctuation day to day between 
feeling like you were on top of the world and everything was managed and feeling mm-hmm. like you were just about to sink into the ground um, was a little bit much. And I was on the brink of having my own child. And I couldn't imagine the idea of being a parent and trying to maintain a teacher lifestyle. So yeah. I left that. And I be and I joined. Uh, I I kind of went out on my own after that, mainly working for Microsoft, training people to use Microsoft technology in the classroom. So there might be people listening to this who have maybe seen me at a conference or been in one of my trainings or something like that. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and then through that, uh, a variety of other things have sort of come my way. If you've ever heard of the the phrase, um, "Don't chase, attract." Um, I don't know what it is that I've done to put myself in this position, but a lot of other opportunities have come my way since leaving the classroom, like I became an adjunct professor at a nearby mm-hmm. community college. And most importantly, I got trained as a life and engagement coach. And that story is something I'd be happy to go into in a little more detail. Um, but that's been a really fun ride and takes up probably you know most of my time these days is I'm thinking about coaching or I'm coaching or I'm teaching coaching um, yes. is something that I'm doing <laughs> these days. So um, that is sort of my story. But the, the, the common thread among all of this is that I like to create things and I like to learn. I like to help people understand who they are and then help them put action steps down to move toward the life that they want to live, which Absolutely. many people ignore as I did with that tugging <laughs> when I was down at, uh, at IBM, that first part of my life. Absolutely. And that's that your story. What caught my attention is that it sounds so much like mine. I started out as a newspaper reporter and then realized that wasn't going to work with having children. So I stayed home and worked in tech. So I had my, I was a web design um, and hosting company owner. And then from there decided to become a teacher because like what you said, I, I enjoyed the teaching part, connecting with people and helping them, um, helping them learn. I enjoy learning and, you know, connecting people to learning. Then, you know, like you said, the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And, uh, with my health and some other things that were going on, I ended up stepping out of the classroom and then discovered that there's a ton of people, particularly over the past year, who are doing the, the same thing. And I hear a lot of them saying, the only thing I've ever done is teach. And right. so what can I possibly do? Yes. And it's interesting to hear that comment that and the only thing I've ever done is teach. I'm a teacher. I, I always encourage people to think about the idea that Teaching is a job that you can apply for to work in a classroom with children and teach subject matter. But the idea of being a teacher as a person, as a human, can be much more expansive. And one of the things that I asked myself at the end of my teaching career was, what does it really mean to be a teacher? I'm not leaving teaching. I'm leaving my job as a teacher in this particular configuration. But the my skills and the way that I interact with the world, that's going to continue in whatever I choose to do next. And that's still true. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've discovered myself. And it may maybe because I came from a place that was not a classroom teacher before. I didn't start as a classroom teacher, but I was able to recognize that I can teach in a lot of different contexts. I can teach as a newspaper reporter. That's what I did when I wrote my stories. I can teach as a web hosting company owner. 
you know, when people need help using the software that I'm selling or need help using the website I've provided. Um, I can teach in a classroom and now I can teach um, similar to what you are for people who are wanting to start businesses or get out of a particular context. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What would you say based on, you know, the people that you've talked to and your own experience, what kind of prompts people to make those transitions? The thing that I find when I talk to many of my clients, many of my clients come to me. Um, and, and as I mentioned, I, I was trained as a life coach, mm-hmm. a life and engagement coach, which are it's, that provides general coaching skills, meaning right. that I can bring out of somebody what they really want after a period of digging. And of course, right. it's never final once we start with what we really want. It can always be refined and it is always refined. But I find that many people who come to me are at a particular part of their journey where they're feeling the nagging, that nagging feeling at their soul that something is wrong with where I am right now. Whether, and I work with, I would say like 95% of my clients happen to be teachers because I was on a podcast called The Teacher Career Coach where I spoke about a lot of the work that I do as a coach. And it just so happened that that resonated a lot with many of the teachers that were listening. And so I work with so many teachers and what I hear from them is, I've always thought of myself as a teacher. I've felt for the last couple of years or for some of them it's longer that I need to do something else, that Mm -hmm. this isn't actually my dream job that I thought it was when I first started. And there's this nagging at this tugging at their soul that they've been putting off and ignoring. And for whatever reason, when they hear me talk or they talk to me for the first time, they suddenly realize that's something they've been ignoring. And I realize as I'm talking to them, that's something that they've been ignoring. And so my instinct is let's hone in on that. So I think that's to answer your question, that's what spurs that initial movement toward thinking, well, what could I be doing differently? Where do I even start? People who come to me are not necessarily at the stage where they're like, I know what my new target job is. I know how I want to edit my resume or cover letter. They're really at the stage where they're thinking, what the heck do I want to do with my life? Absolutely. And so what are some of the things that are getting in the way of people who are you know, at that point? There's many things that get in the way when you are thinking about changing your career or your job. For some people, it's changing their whole career. And for other people, it's yeah. changing how they show up in their job. But this is, the, this is the big misconception, Michelle. I feel like you and I can relate to this, <laughs> that it is not about the, the not knowing what to put on your resume. It's not even about not knowing how to translate your skills. It's about two really important fundamental things at the foundation of everything, because everything else just comes down to tactics, right? Editing your resume to tailor it to a specific job is something that I help my clients with, but usually it's toward the end of our coaching relationship. What we start with is the foundation, and they're two big pieces that make up this foundation. The first piece is understanding what are called core values. And the idea of a core value, everybody has values, things that are important to them. There's many of these things. You could probably rattle off a list of 50 to 100 things right now that are important to you. (laughs) Values. But the core values are the ones that you can't live without. And they're hard to identify unless you actually do the work of digging through them. And it really helps to have an experienced person like a coach 
guiding you through that process. It's not as if those core values are invented. It's not as if we're kind of coming up with them. We are discovering them because if I were to tell you, if I were to ask you right now, what are your core values? You may have done that work. You may have that ready to, to talk about, but for most people, they haven't really thought about it. And so what I do with clients is I bring them to think about a few simple prompts that sort of are entryways to what leads to core values. And there's a lot more work that we do around this. There's a whole process that I go through. But at the very core, it's about thinking about people that you admire, because very likely those people have qualities that agree with your core values. Mm -hmm. Things that bother you, irritate you, piss you off. Those are things that rub against your core values. And then finally, when you are totally finding flow in an activity or joy, some people call it joy, some people call it flow, but when you lose yourself to an activity, to something you're doing, that is very likely connecting with your core values. And that is a very good starting place on the surface of discovering what's really important and essential. And then you can look at your life and you can say, when I'm in the classroom, when I'm in the job that I'm doing now, which of these values am I honoring daily? And which of them am I completely leaving out? Which of these are not present in my job? Are they present in other parts of my life? Because you can make it so that your job hits on some core values and you do other things in your life to hit on the other ones. But that is the question that you have to ask yourself. And I work with clients to really get deep because even when you start to ask those questions, there's still more digging that needs to be done, still more association that needs to happen to connect these neurons in your brain. So that's one huge part of the foundation. Once you have an idea of what's really important to you, your core values, and you've refined it and you've eliminated words that don't really belong there and you've added things that maybe were missing, all of a sudden you have a new lens with which to see the world. So that is... And, and to make decisions. So that is one piece of the foundation. And I, I'm thinking an example of that, particularly on the one that you said about, you know, what bothers you. Um, I had a, a client who was really kind of kept repeating that something that bothered him was dishonest businesses or pe- people who run their businesses dishonestly. And he'd worked for some of those people. And so I kind of um, questioned him about that a little bit. And he was you know, thinking about starting his own online business, but he was really concerned about whether or not he could because he didn't want a dishonest business. And I had to remind him that if you don't want a dishonest business, don't run one. Right. Be the honest person that you want to be. And he kind of just had to switch his mindset to realize that that was one of his core values. And that was something that he could bring to his business and be a core value of the business. Yeah. And that actually leads in perfectly to the second part of this foundation that I was referring to. The first being your core values, understanding. So your your example of this this particular person, one of their values was integrity, honesty. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the word they would use to describe it is, but that's how yes. it comes across to me in that story. The yes. other part to it is a narrow perspective. This person came into you saying, I think that most businesses that are started are dishonest, that in order to be a successful business, I have to be dishonest. And that comes from a part of our brain that I describe, and this is not my word, this is Shazad Shermain, if you are interested in learning more about this, this is the person who I did a training with that um, introduced me to this idea called saboteurs. And saboteurs are that second part of the foundation. If True North, let's just use you as an example, True North Michelle has core values. And if you were to abide by those core values, to honor those those core values in everything you do, that's how what I describe as True North Michelle. 
but mm-hmm. true north michelle it's hard to do that because you have this these saboteurs which are parts of your brain that could be described as negative self-talk but specifically there are personality types to these self these different types of self-talk for instance there's a type of self-talk that is super critical and we call yeah. that the judge and everything is that's run by the judge the judge is the one that's that's always telling you that you're not good enough that your ideas are terrible that if you start a business you're going to have to be dishonest you know that sort of thing but then there are different personalities that sort of are accomplices to this judge. For instance, Uh there is the idea of a hypervigilant saboteur. That's one of mine that is the, it's still the judge is kind of like the the king or queen of all of these. And and these are kind of like the the judge's underlings, but Uh things like if I, if I try and pursue my dreams, then I'm not going to be financially stable. I'm going to end up living in a van down by the river. Right. 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 Um, to, to quote, I think SNL, that, that skit. Um, but it's that part of your brain or, or it could be like, I need, I'm not going to pursue this thing that's really important to me because I need to be perfect. We call that one the stickler. And yep. if I'm not perfect, if I don't do this perfectly, then it's not even worth pursuing. So all these, these negative pieces of self-talk, and there are some other um, ones as well that I think, uh, especially in teaching that, that perfectionist comes up. Another one that comes up is the idea of being a hyper achiever. And mm-hmm. this is a voice that tells you, you need to constantly be doing things that make you look good to others, right? Keep achieving right. because that will affect how people see you and that will make you happy. And really it's a lie because when you do that, you are orienting yourselves to how you're orienting yourself to how other people see you. And so the choices you make are going to be based on what other people might be viewing you as rather than what you really want when you listen to your heart. That's when you find people that are like, I want to be a lawyer because being a lawyer is a really high status job when really what they want is to paint all day and make art. And so (laughs) their saboteurs are firing. So those two things are at the foundation of everything else. Once you understand, and I'm not saying overcome these saboteurs because you can't really overcome them. They have been firing in your brain since you were a child and they provided a really important role when you were a child. They protected you, they kept you safe. But now as an adult, when you can make your own decisions, they get in your way. And so understanding the landscape of what is really important to me, those core values, and what is in my way, those saboteurs, that negative self-talk, the beliefs that I have that create this narrow perspective can then, once you understand that, moving forward with understanding what you want to do becomes a lot less, has a lot less friction associated with it. Right. If someone, you know, is thinking about getting out of the classroom, and I know the people or the teachers listening to this podcast are considering starting their own business and, you know, being an entrepreneur, whether as a side gig or to get completely out of the classroom, they listen to this, they recognize the, you know, their archetypes of self-talk and they recognize their core values or, you know, have kind of gotten a start. Where do they need to go next? Then after that, it's, uh, well, it, it depends on the person, honestly. Um, right. And that's the thing. Every client I work with, usually we start with core values and understanding saboteurs. And by the way, you can take the saboteur assessment. If you look it up online, it's for free. Um, okay. There's a number of questions and it will tell you your top saboteurs. It will tell you which ones are most dominant so that you can be aware of them. Um, okay. And I'll once, put that in the show notes. Yeah, exactly. Once that is understood, the path that each person takes becomes completely different. For some people, it might be that they have to first think about 
what is it that they want to accomplish in life? What which value do they want to actually put into that that job or career search? They have to figure out: is this something that I want to then begin networking on? Is it a skill that I need to learn? Do I have to go back to school for something? Um, all of this can be very intimidating when you think about all these various pathways, because the idea of going and getting schooling on something when you don't know what the outcome is going to be can be very scary. So maybe the first very tiny baby step, which is what I do with a lot of my clients, mm -hmm. is finding someone in that industry that knows the thing that you want to know and then talking to them. And what I what I do with clients is say to them. When you talk to this person, and many people have networking conversations, informational interviews that don't really lead to anything because they end up saying to the person, well, tell me about your life. Tell me about what it is that you do. What's your favorite part of your job? All of that. And you learn a lot about that person and how they relate to their job. But I want my clients to go into that conversation with what do you want to get out of this conversation? You don't really care necessarily about what their favorite part is. You want to know do I have, is this a job that may work for me and the things that I enjoy doing? Take, for example, um, a, a client of mine that came in and said, after we got through the initial few sessions, kind of said, you know, I know one thing that I don't want to do is sales because my sister was in sales and she hated it. And I thought that was so interesting because this was somebody who had listened to someone else's perspective on a particular career and then decided that it wasn't for them as well. Now, it's possible that sales wasn't for them, but they had already talked themselves out of it. And so my question, my prompt to her was, what can you do to challenge that assumption? Doesn't mean that your assumption is wrong. It doesn't mean that you need to go into a sales career, but think about that assumption for a minute and what can you do to challenge it? And she actually spoke to someone who enjoys uh, their career in sales. And while I still don't think that that client ended up working in sales, it, it allowed her to break down that wall a little bit where there was no possibility for her of ever doing a career in sales. For a moment, she opened the door and took a look inside. And I think that is what yeah. it, it, it comes down to with a lot of clients. I will always say to every client I work with when I start with them, what would make today the most effective conversation possible? And we keep our eyes on that prize the entire time. So I'm always thinking about if you if you tell me something that sounds like an assumption, I will call you out on it uh, so that that door gets opened. If you say, I've been thinking about doing this particular thing, I will say, let's open that door just a little bit. I'll never push anyone to the point that they are so uncomfortable that they're going to be drowning and they're going to feel like this is just too much for me. I will always push people to the point where they can experience something new, a little bit of discomfort, enough so that they grow and that they learn more about themselves. Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to, exposing yourselves to situations that allow you to learn and to grow and to understand yourself better is going to make that job search process, that career change pro process, so much more effective and smoother than it would be if you were just throwing noodles at a wall. Absolutely. And what it sounds like you're asking your clients to do and what I am asking mine to do as well is to kind of shift their perspective. Um, going back to your um, advertise or ad sales example, somebody who doesn't like, you know, in-person ad sales could kind of shift their perspective a little bit and realize that's not the only way that sales has to look. Sales could be you're writing, you know, friendly emails to or share with people solutions to the problems that they have. And so you're making sales, but it doesn't look the same way and it's not high pressure. Yeah. Exactly. That's a, it's a great example.
What would you say is the most important advice to teachers who are considering transitioning out of the classroom, particularly if they're looking at, you know, starting an entrepreneurial journey? With an entrepreneurial journey, the challenges become what idea, one, what idea do I want to pursue? So honing Mm -hmm. on your core values is extremely important because if you say to yourself, well, I've always been really good. People have always told me I'm good at writing curriculum. Let's just take that example. Yes. But you don't actually find that it, that doing that work hits your core values. You've just been rewarded by people, by and, and feeling good when people tell you that you're good at it. Then you're letting your saboteurs kind of talk you into a business idea that may start off really great. And eventually it kind of runs out of steam when you realize my heart's not really in this. So first getting an understanding of what are my core values. And when I create my business idea and what I'm planning to give to the world generously, how can I honor my core values when I'm creating this idea? I know I harp on this idea of core values a lot, but it really is everything, whether it's entrepreneurial or something else. So that's that's the first thing I would say. The second yes. thing, and you and I know this as entrepreneurs, that it is easy to talk yourself out of actually taking action on something, right? Yes. Whether it's, I want to put money into an ad campaign because I want more traffic. I want to figure out what the heck to do with a lead magnet. I want to figure out how I'm going to actually attract customers, where I'm going to position myself. The instinct for some people is I'm just going to create a TikTok, an Instagram account, a Twitter account, a Facebook account, yeah. and just post, post, post without any idea. So here's an idea that I think for, for someone who's in an entrepreneurial mindset, I have found to be very, very useful. Think in a who, not how mentality, a who, mm-hmm. not how mentality. What that means is, and I forget where I heard this word, so I don't want to, you know, this is not something that I came up with, but I love the idea. Right which is instead of thinking about how I'm going to start a business that will allow me to exit the classroom, think about who is going to help me, who is gonna be on my team that is going to help me with all the different parts of it. At first, if you have no idea where to even begin, then a great person to help you would be a coach because Mm -hmm. a coach will help you figure out what direction is your compass pointing. Let's first figure that out. And if you start by figuring that out, so someone like me, I'm really good at that, especially with career stuff. That's what I specialize in. Then after that, it's maybe it's a matter of, okay, I figured out I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I want to apply for a job in a particular field. Okay, then maybe a career strategist is your next who that's going to help you move toward the thing that you want. But maybe it's not. Maybe after that, it's someone who works as a business coach, somebody who's or a business consultant even that's going to say, here's exactly what you need to do to get started. Here's exactly the type of questions you need to ask. Here's how you create a marketing plan. Here's how you create a good lead magnet and sort of build up your business with the right people. So that's the thing. It, it's it's really, it's kind of like harrowing and very discouraging when you are thinking, I want to start a business idea, but I don't know where to start. Um, right. And if you think in a who, not how mentality, then you will start moving toward the thing that you want. The, the important thing to remember is that it happens in baby steps. You want to speed up the process and be in that position <laughs> where you're doing the thing you want to do, but it, you and I both know it happens so slowly. Yes. Um, and, and and maybe it's one of those things where it feels slow in the moment, but when you look back, you're like, wow, look at how far I've come in such a short period of time, where maybe now you have a prototype of some idea that you're trying out, and maybe you haven't left the classroom yet, but in, within a year, who knows where you're going to be? You went from nothing to a prototype in, say, three to six months. That's amazing. What's next that's going to amplify and accelerate this? 
Absolutely. And one of the things that I've heard is that you know, you see those people that are successful, you know, that have gotten their product into big box stores and you're thinking, wow, they just, you know, an overnight success and it's amazing how they did that. And I wish I could do that. But what they don't realize is that often there's like 10 years of hard work behind that overnight success story. For example, I interviewed somebody for a previous podcast who had created an alcohol-free hand sanitizer, and this was probably 10 years ago. She spent 10 previous years at home working on that formula and trying to get it sold in you know small stores in her area before it ended up at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the amount of failures that you rack up when you're trying to launch something successful outweighs the number of breakthrough moments that you have, (laughs) but it's worth every moment for the breakthrough. I remember that I heard a children's author, and I forget exactly which one. I think it was the guy who wrote um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Mm -hmm. who said that he has put up every rejection letter he's ever got, he's put on his wall. His wall is covered in rejection letters, and it only took that one to, to actually you know, allow him to succeed. I think J.K. Rowling has experienced the same thing. Harry Potter was not a accepted idea right off the bat. It took a lot of work to get someone to accept it. Even the Beatles were rejected from record labels at first for being too out there and not fitting a mold. So it's really important to be yourself and to try things that are going to speak to you, but also to remember that once you find an audience of people that enjoy what you do, that find value in what you do, Mm -hmm. then you've hit on something really important. Even if that audience is really small, even if you're someone at a bake sale selling muffins and every day you make 10 sales, you made 10 sales. Something that happened in that exchange where you provided value enough so that someone handed you cash. And so as you're thinking as an entrepreneur about your successes, your failures, your rejections, it's all about tracking what has worked, tracking what hasn't, and tweaking the process until you get it right. This is something that I do every day and will continue to do for the rest of my life as an entrepreneur. It will never stop. That is the skill. So if somebody is wanting to reach out to you, they're wanting to get out of the classroom and maybe they're not wanting to start a business, but they know they want to transition out, how can they get a hold of you? So the best way to get a hold of me is to go to my website, which is ziahassan.coach, which I'm sure you'll put in the show notes. Yes. And yes, on there, there is a link to schedule a call with me for, uh, it's a 10 to 15 minute call. And in that call, I just try and figure out, do, is the problem you have the problem that I solve? If not, I have a ton of referrals. But if it is, if you are in that position, and here's a good way to know, if you are currently asking yourself, what do I do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? Then that is the perfect starting point to work with someone like me. And what I will do after that call, if we are a match, is offer you a complimentary coaching session so that you can understand what coaching is like if you've never done it before, because many people haven't, and you can get to feel what it's like to work with me. And that is all completely free. There's no obligation to do that at all. And then after that, if there is value in that, I will share with you how to continue working with me. Another thing that you can do if you're not quite ready to talk to me on the phone is to go to my website, ziahassan.coach slash quiz. And I have created a quiz for people who feel that tugging at their soul, like something is wrong and I want to change careers, move jobs, whatever it is, but they don't quite know what the barrier is at the moment. This quiz will pinpoint for you not only the exact 
issue, there's there's six issues, six core issues that I feel like are barriers for most people when they begin working with me. This quiz will pinpoint that exact issue and give you the start of a solution because the solution to that is going to take a lot of work, right? It's not something you can quickly just click a button or buy a product and then all of a sudden it's solved, but it will start to point you in the right direction to where your attention needs to go in order to move past that barrier so you can get on to the next part of that journey. And so you will find information there that can help you. And if it, if it feels like something that requires further exploration, set up that call with me and we can get on the phone and talk about what might be next. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise. And I am looking forward to hearing more from you. Me too. Thank you, Michelle, for having me. You're welcome. You know something needs to change. Your comfort zone is shrinking, but you need a roadmap to get out. You want to start a business or achieve that goal you always wanted, but what can you do? Rethink Your Lifestyle can help you find the answers. Our Get Out of Your Comfort Zone online course will help you plan and chart your journey out of that comfort zone and into a new, happier you. Learn how you can take action and rewrite your story at RethinkYourLifestyle.com slash comfort zone course. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rethink Your Lifestyle podcast, where you learn how to be your own boss. Have questions about starting, growing, or scaling your business? You can ask us anything. Just fill out the form at www.rethinkyourlifestyle.com slash askmeanything, and Michelle will answer your burning entrepreneurial questions in an upcoming episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time.